We're the Nada Grande Boys. I'm Rodney Wood. And I'm Kyle Jackson. Welcome to the Nada Grande Outdoors podcast where we hunt it forward. Welcome to the Nada Grande Outdoors podcast. Kyle and I this week have the pleasure to be sitting down at First Light here in Ketchum, Idaho. And we got a couple of special guests. Tag Spence, our uh, First Light's digital marketing manager, um, originally from Colorado and moved to Idaho three years ago. Um, and awesome to talk with you guys. Love hearing what you're doing for new hunters, being a new hunter myself. Thank you. Thank you. Excellent. And also, yeah, Paul Peterson. I'm a customer service rep here at First Light, uh, originally from Wisconsin. Nice. And in Idaho, about a year and a half, going on a year and a half now. Very nice. Yeah. Loving it. Loving it, man. Absolutely. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Um, so, Tag, tell us tell us a little bit about what you do here. Yeah, so for First Light, um, I manage all of our digital marketing, everything from social media and email marketing, um, paid media, and then our Amazon and eBay stores. So I guess I'd be kind of the nerdy IT guy that everyone gives <laughs> a hard time. Um, but uh, yeah, that was kind of also a, a great foot in the door here. And, and for me personally, it was a great foot in the door into to hunting. Um, something I'd been looking to get into for a while. And First Light had always been on my radar. It's a company that I'd love to work for. And when the opportunity opened up, I, I jumped on it. So it's funny. You said you're originally from Colorado. Um, which is a pretty big outdoor state, but you didn't get into hunting till you were 30. I know it's, it's, uh, one of those that people can't quite believe. Um, I, you know, I was a ski racer growing up okay. and uh, a competitive ski racer. And, um, I ended up skiing for the university of Colorado and, and traveled a lot for it. And it, it was really my passion it took up kind of the level I was skiing all of my time. Mm-hmm. Um, I also just didn't grow up in a hunting family. So sometimes when you don't have that introduction at a young age, um, it can kind of be a little bit daunting as far as how to, how to even get into it. Like what's your first step, you know, and, uh, you talk about hunter safety and things of the like, but, um, you know, you don't always do it until you get to a point in life that you can afford the time. So that's my best defense at why (laughs) I didn't, uh, not saying that that's, you know, but no, I, and that's perfect. I mean, that's I mean, you're a perfect and kind of a role model of what the Nada Grande stands for, as far as you know, getting new people into hunting. You know, especially in those later stages, and people that that didn't grow up hunting, so they just didn't have that avenue. So that's pretty cool. And so you got into hunting when you come here at First Light. Who got you? Who got you in? Did you go off solo first, or did somebody else take you? Well, so uh, we'll go back. I, I did my hunter safety a couple months before I got the job at, at First Light, before I even knew. Um, so that was kind of just a solo quest of I'm actually with a good buddy of mine who, who lives here, um, Anders Pedersen, who also is a, a non-hunter and, and had said, "Hey, let's do this." And it was like, "Cool, I got a friend to do that with." That was Heck kind yeah. of you know a right. big thing to have. Um, and so we, we jumped on it together, got hunter safety done. Uh, and then I, I started with first light. So, um, flash forward about, I don't know, about a month into the job and we're at, um, wild sheep foundation, uh, the, the sheep show in Reno, Nevada. Mm -hmm. And, um, Kenton, who's one of our co-owners was at the event and put all of our names into the less than one club. Mm -hmm. So we were in the drawing there. Um, 
and I just so happened to have my name called for a doll sheep hunt in the Brooks Range. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and uh, lucky dog. So at this, at this point, uh, I'd gone on one uh, upland bird hunt and uh, one waterfowl hunt here uh, in the two or three weeks, whatever, before going down to that trade show. Um, so I had a quail and a Susie duck to my name um, when, when I walked on that stage. You never shot a rifle, right? No. Yeah. I mean, yeah, literally. And first, I did kind of a campaign around that, right? The tag camp. I remember seeing some before. We're actually talking to the, the guy who did it. That's cool. Yeah, so... I, I, I'd forgotten all about that until just now when you were talking about that. Uh, we we, uh, we kind of sat there in total disbelief and shock as far as the, what are the odds that I would be the one to win this hunt. Um, right. And basically said we should film this and, and um, use it as, as kind of that, you know, I mean, it's a cool way, for, I mean, for me personally to, to jump straight into it, like, full feet, head first, however you want to put it. But I mean, had people like Paul here and and, uh, Cal and and Ross Copperman, our VP of sales. I mean, Ross really like took me under his wing. I spent probably more time at his house than my own house learning to shoot. So (laughs) that's good. It was a blast. Yeah, that's cool. And so like on the opposite end of the table, we have Paul who's been kind of hunting his whole life. Yeah. And how did you get here? Um, yeah, uh, the roundabout way of getting here, I guess. The the full story. I was born and raised in Wisconsin. Um, always had um, a fascination with going west. I was fortunate enough to take some fishing trips, some hunting trips out west, Colorado, Montana, growing up. And senior year of college is coming up, and uh, I had a buddy call me. He's like, "Hey, summer before we should we should just go out west before we." get serious about doing anything in a real real quote the real real world world. yeah (laughs) getting real jobs and um we ended up discovering we could work on a ranch we had construction backgrounds and just figured okay we can make ourselves useful where are we going to go um looked all over colorado montana idaho um utah i mean all over the west and found a super cool part working ranch part guest ranch they hired us as ranch hands and we went out there for the summer and uh, honestly, God, truth, didn't know I could wake up so happy. I right. just had been working construction get jobs to get by uh, in summertime and wintertime back home in between semesters and just l- thought I loved being at home. I do love my home, but mm-hmm. did not know I could wake up so happy just being in the mountains and getting to do all the things living in the West Fort. So flash forward, uh, Four years, I've been guiding fly fishermen and hunters here and there on the west. And I'm traveling a bunch, just seeing as much as I can, and decided to try to get a full-time gig in the outdoor industry. And walked into First Light and sat down in the middle of the room and had an interview. And a couple of days later, they offered me a job. And been here about a year and a half now since. Man, that's cool. very cool. Yeah. That's cool. Well, that's, it's, that's the way you do it. It's, it's really do it. nice because, uh, you know, you don't know really what to expect. Um, <clears throat> driving up, we didn't know what to expect. It's first light. It's it's one of the, you know, premier names in hunting equipment right now. And mm-hmm. man walked up and tagged, stuck his head out and said, hey, 
you Rodney and Kyle? Yeah, come on in. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. You know, now we're sitting here having a podcast. Rodney's drinking a beer with <laughs> with the guys from First Light. I mean, yeah, that's right. just really cool. Yeah. Try so, to keep it real. Yeah, that's <laughs> pretty that's, neat. That's pretty cool. Pretty laid back so far. The trip to Idaho has been pretty cool. Yeah. So enjoying it. So you've been hunting a while. What mm-hmm. kind of hunting did you do back in Wisconsin? Yeah, I was born and raised uh, chasing deer and and ducks mostly. Deer and ducks. Um, yeah, grew a lot up of fishing. A lot of fishing. Yeah, I mean, Wisconsin's a great state for fishing. Um, just always outside as yeah. much as possible. My dad was super super good about getting me out, and I just always wanted to go so if anything I was begging him to go or you know begging somebody to go I just always loved it and uh yeah I was a rifle hunter early on and had buddies that were bow hunting and my dad hadn't been bow hunting much I kind of took it upon myself with buddies to learn it and that just led to wanting to know more and more about hunting and the different avenues of doing it and it's just progressed from there but definitely from I think that foundation of my dad and, yeah. and being out a bunch back home right. early yeah that, that does and, you know tag didn't, didn't have that but I can I definitely understand that you know my I've been hunting my whole life since as far as I can remember mm-hmm. um, and that's the way it was as family yep. you know um, I didn't I grew up without a dad but I had my uncle and mm-hmm. well several uncles and that's what we did every year we went and hunted elk and deer and uh, fished and you know big camps and just absolutely loved it so um, I've got a great hunting partner now or a couple of them in Kyle and uh, our other buddy D-Don who couldn't make the trip because we're going to rub it in every chance we get yeah. sucker could be, could be sitting here at first night <laughs> a beer but he's at work yeah. <laughs> you can come on up. We'll, we'll still uh, have cold beers later. Yeah. Nice trip. Nice trip. That's yeah. cool. So, so cool. So, um, we did a podcast, and I don't know when we released it, um, but it's about um, kind of the contrast between New Mexico and uh, the fact that there's no preference points. And it's just pretty much all draw. There's, there's for the most part, no over-the-counter big game tags in New Mexico. You have to draw a tag. Um, But there's no preference points. And we personally love that because when I put in, I have just as much of a chance as everybody of drawing. Mm -hmm. And and I like that. And also, it gives new hunters an opportunity rather than having to wait for years to go hunting. It, It gives them an opportunity. So... Idaho is kind of the same in the fact that they don't have reference points, but they do have some over the counter and stuff. So tell us a little bit about uh, hunting here in Idaho as far as as far as that kind of goes with with draws and over the counter hunts. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Um, I mean, Idaho Fish and Game of the Department is even charged with managing hunting in the state for opportunity. Mm-hmm. So. Um, there is a ton of general opportunity, mm-hmm. frankly. Um, deer and elk, if we're just talking big game, mm-hmm. and then you know a myriad of other ways to get out and hunt. I think it's unique um, in, in today's system throughout the U.S. in that if you want to go, you, you can. You, yeah. you know, um, The way Idaho chooses to manage things, I'm by no means an expert on it and have you know, limited experience with it. But in comparison to what I've seen elsewhere, 
if you're willing to get out there and put in the time just because it's a general hunt if you're willing to put in the work you can still have a very very good experience and i think that's a really really unique and positive thing about the state and the way they choose to do things yeah and that's cool to hear and that's something that kyle and i preach a lot it's not we don't judge success by what you bring home right we judge success by what you did while you were out there Mm -hmm. you know enjoying the camping enjoying the scouting enjoying the the hunt itself and the camaraderie with your friends if you happen to hunt with friends or Mm -hmm. or even if you're by yourself Mm -hmm. so so yeah we thoroughly enjoy all aspects of hunting you know that's pretty cool so you guys generally get a a, uh what do you get over the counter elk deer yep yeah um this this year we have so normally it's general deer here that we have and then this year for the first time we have a general cow elk tag oh really yeah we have general archery elk sorry i'm thinking rifle but yeah yeah of course yeah it really varies um but just i guess to maybe dial back a bit um as an Idaho resident if you buy a sportsman's package you receive an elk and a deer voucher where you can either apply that voucher vouchers to a general hunt mm-hmm. buy your tag for your general unit or if you put in for a control hunt if you do draw you can you can apply that voucher yeah. there and in addition you're you're given licenses and tags for bear turkey mountain lion uh, wolf um, fishing upland waterfowl Oh darn! Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, the hunting culture here is very strong and good. And yeah, it's it's wonderful. It's great to right. be a part of and, and to see yeah. people that are committed to to furthering that for sure. Yeah, yeah. We've got a lot of people down there, and I I understand the angst because you know when you're when you haven't drawn out in several years and there's no over the counter tags, um, it can get frustrating. When there's a lot of people, there's a, a definite movement though it's small to to go to a point system um which i sure don't want to ever see in new mexico because i know that there's a lot of other places that have had a lot of problems with that so hopefully they never will be mm-hmm. that. and there's probably pros and cons of everything sure right sure i'd be curious to hear your guys take on like non-resident hunters in new mexico because that's you know it's a very coveted state to hunt yeah right yeah it is and so um actually got Pretty good knowledge of that. Uh, the so New Mexico is really interesting. Uh, no preference points. It's if you put in, you have just as good a chance as anybody to draw. But they do have by by legislature uh, by legislative mandate, we have a certain amount of tags allotted to residents versus non-residents. And so, eighty-four percent of the tags have to go to residents as mandated by legislature. Of those, all like elk cow tags on public land, every one of those has to go to a, to a resident. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but um, on the other side of that, we have 6% of that of those licenses are designated for just outfitters. And so that's both non-resident or residents who put in with an outfitter. Outfitters have numbers. You have to have that number to put into that pool. And then you have the remaining 10% is designated to non-residents for public land Mm -hmm. and so you look at those numbers and you think oh there's not a very good chance that i'm going to draw as a non-resident and while that is um on its face fairly true um there is a designated amount of 
tags that go to non-residents. So uh, it's, it's not like you can't get one for the public land, you can. Um, the interesting thing is whenever you, being a resident of New Mexico, whenever you hear, talk to other residents, you hear a lot of complaints about, oh, all the non-residents are, the non-residents are getting all the tags. And it's like, that is absolutely not true. What, generally what they're seeing is a lot of the private land tags go to non-residents because the non-residents you know, pay for that. Yep. You know, we get a lot of Texans in Oklahoma come and they mm -hmm. buy those private land um, authorizations. But uh, it's a very uh, resident-friendly um, and a lot of the reason why Rodney was talking about that guys will say, oh, I haven't drawn an elk tag in nine years. Yeah, you're putting in for the same quality hunt every single year. You need to branch out. You know, we're big proponents of we play the system and we read the drawing odds every single year. And we're not saying we have to hunt here. We're, we're open to hunt anywhere yeah. in the state. Right. And so we've had extremely good success doing that. Awesome. Yeah. That'd be a neat way to get to know the country. Too. Absolutely. Yeah, we we had a goal of still doing um, of hunting big game in every open big game unit in the state. Cool. That's cool. And um, we've we've done a lot of it. We've, yeah. We've had a lot of units. Um, I work really hard on studying those drawing odds, and of course now they have all kinds of apps and right um, go hunt and all that mm -hmm. stuff that has it on there. I've been doing it for years, but yeah. Now it's all, you know, you Break buy that out. You could have yeah. made so much money on it, Ron. Right? Yeah. 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 Idiot. Well, you know, it wasn't until here recently, you know, I'm, I'm a convert. You know, before before then, I didn't share that information. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. You know, since we started doing this podcast and we started looking at hunting numbers and I started realizing, hey, if we don't learn to share, we're going to lose the culture of hunting. Right. Um, and so, it, you know, we looked at that. We started doing this podcast and, and then... You know, I started sharing a lot of that information. It's uh, tough to do, man. It is. It is. It's, it's hard. It's yeah. part of the culture of keeping your spots close to the chest. But as a new hunter, I appreciate those who share it because, right. you know, exactly. It's, and and so this is something that we argue a lot is we're not telling you that you have to tell somebody where your honey hole is. But guess okay. what? There's a good chance, you know, you may not draw a tag in that unit that year. Tell somebody about it, right? You know exactly. At least I'm, don't tell them exactly where to go, but say, hey, you might look in this area. There's some really nice animals because the animals that you see this year, you may not see next year. Mm -hmm. Your dang sure not going to see in five years. Yeah. So why and, are we playing it so close and, to the chest? And, and here's another thing, especially sitting here listening to y'all and talk talk about how y'all's hunting is, is structured. So in New Mexico, there's no reason. So. Um, if we go to a good unit and we find a good spot where there's a lot of big deer, cool. And then we may not draw that tag for the next five years. There's still only, say, 100 tags for that unit every year. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter. And if I don't have a tag for that unit, there's no reason for me to not share that information. There's just not. Because there's still only 100 tags in that unit every single year. It's not like up here where you can buy an over-the-tag unit. Over-the-counter. Or over-the-counter over the tag. And um, if somebody finds your spot then that's a little bit less defensible. So it kind of comes with opportunity. You know, up here there's a lot more opportunity. Down there there's a lot less. So it's good to share that information and give those people a, a helping hand when you can. For you sure. don't have to share everything. Um, well, and in general, you know, you, you, you touched on it, Tag, that for new hunters it's extremely 
uh, daunting to get into it because you don't know where to go. You don't know, you know, all the processes that go into hunting, um, if you were to do it on your own, I mean, you just got to really, really want to do it. But when you look at, and this is another thing that we, we talk about quite a bit with Nada Grande, if you look at the biology of it, animal herds and populations are built via habitat work, not hunting. Hunting is a tool for conservation to manipulate and manage those herds, but actually building numbers is done through habitat work, and that's been proven over and over again through the North American conservation model. Um, and so when you look at what hunting is, you know, we hunters, fishers, or anglers and trappers pay for that conservation work for the most part. You know, the hunting licenses, the Pittman-Robertson money, Dingle Johnson. And so if you really sit down and look at it, it would, it's beneficial to us to get new hunters into the system because that's more money in the system that can go towards habitat work. And now we can start protecting areas and building habitat in areas, and that's what's going to grow those herd numbers. And so, 100%. Yeah. yeah. We need more people. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. It's a dwindling population. And, and it's not growing right now, it's actually doing the opposite. And that's not even getting into you know the political climate. Right. Uh, and the attacks on the hunting community and, mm -hmm. and all that. I mean, we won't even get into that, but but uh, just just one of the reasons that we should be getting new people into hunting. Yeah, and I mean, I think speaking as a new hunter, what I have been blown away by is how receptive the hunting community is to a new hunter. I mean, it's funny. We joke about stay out of my waters and not giving your honey hole up and, and et cetera, and, and Obviously, there's you come into it with a certain level of respect there, but there's a difference between giving someone an exact spot and then just helping them understand what they have the opportunity to do. I mean, yeah. you know, I think that's what's been so mind blowing to me is what we have access to, right? I mean, the amount of public land, it doesn't matter. I mean, there's so much opportunity out there. It doesn't, the one spot is almost, I mean, I'm so new to it, but that's that's what someone really knows. That doesn't mean that that's all there is. There's a lot of, you know, land to cover and, and areas to explore. And I think what I've taken away from this is just go out, you know, and, just, and yeah. where you know you can go. And it's not stupid to ask questions, um, but go find it. And it's almost more rewarding on your own. But, yeah. but at least yeah. you're in the right area. And then you utilize the resources of those people. Um, to make sure you're just doing it the right way. I mean, I think for me, that's that's the biggest thing is following rules, regulations, and doing things and learning it. It's it's a blast, though. I mean, yeah, it's it cool. Is. And, yeah. so. and wait till wait till you've been doing it a while and you start passing it on. I've been hunting my whole life, and until last year when we were there first hunt at Forward Hunt and we took them girls hunting, I I just it was so exciting. It was yeah. so cool to yeah. watch them succeed. Um, and to go on that hunt, and it was even cooler this year. I mean, we, so we drew out really well this year. We got deer out and antelope, mm -hmm. so we got some good hunts coming up. And we called the girls to see if they drew out. And when we found they found out that they drew out, I was ten times more excited yeah. for them than I was for myself. It's just really, really cool, yeah. you know, to do that. So mm -hmm. once you've been in it for a while and you start passing that on to others, 
it's just a cool feeling. And so coming back to kind of what some of what Tag was talking about, um, on on our on its face, you know, hunting we we tend to be you know hold stuff close to the chest, but once you get into it, it's a very you know kind of help your neighbor type of community. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you need a hand, what, what do you suggest about this? What fly would you use, et cetera? We're going to help each other out. I think what we haven't done a real good job in, and I'm, and this is kind of something that we're trying to change with Nauta Grande, there's, I mean, we're not the only ones, there's a bunch of people out there sure. doing this, is marketing mm-hmm. that better, is um, putting that information out there in a palatable format so that people can understand exactly what it is we do. It is hunting is conservation. It's just not going out and killing stuff, you know. And and that's what we really, as a hunting community, haven't done a good job of, is marketing that better. Mm. So, it's uh yeah, it's interesting, for sure. Let's let's lighten the load. I, I heard about a sheep story. I, I want to hear a sheep, sheep story. Uh, yeah, I heard about that. I want to hear about. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think I'm still reeling from it, uh, trying to still, I mean, wrap my mind around what I was able to do, but basically from winning that hunt um, up in the Brooks Range. And I mean, honestly, that the process of, of learning how to shoot and going out and Paul taking me and uh, kind of getting me with a pack on for the first time and putting weight in it and just learning how to adjust everything. I mean, just really from the grassroots, the whole journey from the stage of winning the hunt to the Brooks range was like, we could spend days talking about how much fun I had doing that and how much I wish I could do it again. Um, but the hunt itself was, I mean, it was a dream hunt. Uh, we had perfect conditions. Uh, weather was amazing. Uh, I mean, from the moment I put my feet on the ground, it was just honestly a life altering experience for me. Um, We were lucky. We got into a group of rams um, on the second day and uh, there were six rams, six legal rams in this group. And it was just the coolest thing. I remember basically just pinching myself as as far as where I was and what I was doing, um, watching them. Uh, feed into us and I uh, was lucky enough to uh, harvest an eight-year-old ram and um, still enjoying the meat today. I probably need to do a little bit better job sharing it with <laughs> everyone here in the office. Uh, I'm learning how to share again in life but uh, yeah it was it was everything and, and you know it it carried through. I mean now going into this season I'm honestly so excited uh, to hunt general deer rifle, uh, the the cow tag that I kind of brought up earlier. Very excitedly, um, got a new rifle, Weatherby uh, 300 Win Mag that I'm getting nice. to work in, and nice. uh, yeah, it's it's you know hunting for me honestly replaced like ski racing competitively was so much a part of who you know I was growing up and, and gave me mm-hmm. so much and I feel honestly since I jumped into this and have started learning how to hunt and how to get out there that it's kind of given me a new like sense like passion and, and room for growth and it's really helped me personally that way and so I think I look at each opportunity as that and it's it's been just totally like the best thing ever it's well, I, blast. that's um, <clears throat> I think that's something that we don't touch on enough is the amount of growth that you can experience 
within the culture of hunting because there's so many different yeah. disciplines and so many different you know ways that you can do it you can hunt archer you can hunt muzzleloader you can hunt rifle you can hunt traditional muzzleloader you can uh, in some states you can hunt with a pistol um, there's anything so from small game to big game to I mean there's just so much that you can do and mm -hmm. and every every little bit of it has its different uh, challenges mm -hmm. and like you were talking about it it's just something that will challenge you every single day every single year that you do it you you never get I guess complacent in it because um, you can't no. nothing's ever the same yeah yeah it's always different we're gonna challenge the heck out of ourselves this week because we're gonna uh, do some fly fishing yeah, and I've done a little bit of fly fishing. We don't have water in New Mexico, just yeah. to let you guys know. So we're seeing canals in Idaho that are bigger than our rivers. We're trying to figure out exactly how we're gonna do this. Yeah, so so cool. yeah, we're gonna we're gonna break out some fly rods and maybe some kayaks and and do some fly fishing and nice. one more one more step in the hunting fishing trapping genre that we're gonna. Oh, that'll be awesome! Yeah, it's gonna be yeah. cool. Time the weather well. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's beautiful. Nice it's yeah, so, it's so beautiful nice out. We're we're sitting here in the back room of First Light, looking out the window at the mountain, and there's still snow on the mountains, but it's like seventy degrees out, and it's just unbelievable yeah. it's beautiful. <laughs> it snowed on. Was that Tuesday? Yeah. Nice. It did a little dusty. Yeah. Yeah, and it could tomorrow. We don't know. We don't know. Yeah, yeah. we'll be we'll skiing this weekend. So. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, we got closing weekend here at the mountains, so it'll be a good time. Right on. That's cool. Kind of in hearing you guys talk and hearing you tell your story, um, I've thought about this before, thinking about you. And Tag is one of those guys who's good at whatever he puts his mind to. So it was. I appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know That's if it's deserving. It is. But in. And maybe trying to think about this from a listener perspective and trying to put yourself in the shoes of a new hunter, I could see maybe where someone hears a story and, you know, one guy's like, wow, what a lucky son again. And another guy who maybe is curious about hunting or new to hunting or trying to progress in hunting says, yeah, that's great. He did that, but he had all the first light crew to help him. He had every, every tool at his fingertips to make him successful. And I think it's important to mention that you don't need that. There's so many guys out there that are willing to help, and there's so much information out there um, that you can can that is at your fingertips. At you your don't fingertips. need you don't need Tate didn't need me. He didn't need Cal Ross. Like we're happy to be a part of it. But for anybody that might be listening, that was thinking, "Oh, well, that's great," but I don't have those tools. Don't be intimidated. I think. Right. I think the barrier to entry of hunting um, is intimidating for some folks. It I is. Mean, it is. Getting and familiar it's with intimidation, the and I think you know motivation. Yeah. Um, and you're exactly right. Um, and you know, I was going to touch on that whenever, <clears throat> whenever we were talking about you know people holding their honey holes to their to themselves. That was that was probably pretty viable back before as much technology as we have now. But you know, Rodney can get on. On Google Earth and find an elk in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, you can he literally, literally has found an elk, an elk on Google, on Google Earth. Yeah. And, and so I did that, and we were we were scouting a new unit, and and um, so I was just using Google, and 
zooming around and looking at canyons and draws and finding water holes and marking them. So when we went out and hunted, we'd have a good plan and um, zooming around. And I was like, what is that? I zoomed right in. That's an elk. So I copied the coordinates and sent it to Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> but you're right. I mean, that information is absolutely right there at your fingertips. You just have to kind of apply yourself. And, and on the other side of things, for those who are hunters, mm-hmm. if someone approaches you about it or if someone's hinting to you about it, we talk about our two hunt, our first hunt it forward um, uh, participants, Emily and Adrian. They they had gone so far with their coworkers. They'd been interested in hunting for a couple of years. Whenever we first interviewed them and talked about them, talked to them about it, they'd been interested in hunting for a couple of years. And with their coworkers, they'd gone so far as to right up to the point of asking them, asking them, "Can I go with you?" They just didn't get to that point. But they were they hinted around it oh that would be so cool to go you as a hunter need to pick up on that and say you want to go sweet come on let's do it yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. you know be open to that yeah and there's lots of ways of doing that too because so hunting is sacred you know i know like me and kyle we we like to hunt with me and kyle and d-don and and we don't like to on our hunts Mm -hmm. you know those are our hunts and and that's cool you get your hunt go on your hunt somebody's hinting you tell them hey put in and I'll go with you. You know, it's not that hard. I will say, as a new hunter, when you hear that response of, okay, come on, it is the best thing because right. you are just itching to get out there and to have someone where you feel comfortable to just go out in the field is the best thing. And I think you quickly realize that that's what it's about is being outside and nights under the stars and just enjoying the process because it's not, I mean, I think it's so easy as a new hunter to focus on you know, okay, what's daunting, right? Harvesting an animal, yeah, of course. I mean, if you've never done that, that is. But that is, I mean, that's one part, right? I mean, there's so much more to it. And I think if you break that up and you look at it as steps towards the goal, right, it makes it so much more approachable. And I think you find along the way, to Paul's point, online, I mean, think about how many people are itching to tell you about what they've learned. I mean, yeah. it's it's so rewarding to your guys' point. And so you just you just gotta get started. And I think um, for me it was not trying to do something perfectly, right? Just just go. And uh, progress not perfection and, and that that made a big difference and don't have any excuses of it because at the end of the day, successful or not, it's a, it's gonna be awesome. Yeah. And you're gonna look back on it and learn something. Yeah. 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 I you know, I think um, maybe wrong, but I haven't, I haven't been uh, proven wrong yet, but I think there's a large segment of the population out there who is at least a little bit interested or, or curious about hunting, but they just don't know where to start. Mm-hmm. You know, um, there's, a, there's a pretty good movement within, um, within the population to return to nature, and, and it's a kind of an innate, I want to get outside, and and we need to be able to provide those opportunities. Um, there's there's a, a big movement for organic food, mm-hmm. and there's nothing more organic than yeah, wild game. Organic. You know, hundred percent crazy. So I, you know, those that's those are some of those factors that have really pushed us uh, for the hunt forward, and 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 really this podcast is just to get information out there. We it, 
it's a technology age right now. The tech, the technology's there. The information's out there. Uh, we're just trying to put it, put what we can out there, you know. Yeah. Um, and whether it's good or not, that'll be somebody else's job to do to it, determine do, it. Do what you can. Yeah. You got, <laughs> exactly. Right? I mean, I think it's awesome what you guys are doing and being willing to put a voice to it too. That's, we enjoy it. We enjoy yeah. it. You know. Super cool. And there's not a whole lot of that down in New Mexico right now. There, there is a lot. There's a lot of podcasts. There's a lot of people doing a lot of different. Same stuff that we're doing in different areas and stuff like that. There's not a whole lot in New Mexico right now, so we're we're thoroughly enjoying it. And um, we may not be right, but we're sure having fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's what's important. That's, That's what's important. Yeah. Yeah. Good things lot. happen as you just continue to yeah, have fun. Yeah. Heck, this, this trip is a byproduct of it. You know, this this trip of coming to Idaho and, and doing the fishing in Montana and Wyoming and just doing all of that stuff and getting to come here to First Light and um, the other companies that we're going to stop at along the way, you know, it's that's a product of it. So good things come from it. It's like Tag says, I think it can be applied to a whole bunch of things, even this. Like you said, as a new hunter, you just have to go for it. Yeah. yeah. At some point, you just have to put your foot down and go for it, whether you're a new hunter, whether you're a hunter. Whether you're looking for a around. job and yeah. having an interview, yeah. right? Yeah. you're looking to go do a hunt in a different part of the country, you see new country, be on public land, new area. Go spread a word you believe in. I mean, you just mm-hmm. got to go. pretty cool. Yeah. Pretty cool. I agree. And I, and I don't think it stops just from that first time, right? Like, people could be like, oh, and they joke, you know. Well, you already shot doll sheep. Like, what, what are you going to do now? You know, there's, there's no progression from there. It's like, well, Whatever. I've got a huge... <laughs> huge growth that I want to try to get to this year in terms of going out by myself and, yeah. and getting more familiar with quartering an animal and doing things on my own because I think that's where then I can do it my whole life and so it just keeps stepping you know it's like you start out you go for it and then there's another one right, right. you know and, and whether it's a new a new uh, hunt that you've never done or, or anything like that well and it's it's really refreshing to hear hear you talk about it that way because um oftentimes the the i guess the message or the the viewpoint that is is getting put out there is that killing that animal is the you know that's the end all be all whereas you know you're explaining that it's it's more than that it's the process it's it's you know being outdoors and and so redefining that the success redefining what success is i think is really important and it's it's cool that you have that view and have that that uh attitude right now um so that you don't you know you're not in a place where you're like oh i killed doll sheep what else is there yeah right? you know that because like we talked about there's so much more to it and and that's exactly right absolutely so we got to hear a story from Tag. I want to hear a hunting story. Well, your one of your favorite hunting stories. Oh man, um, I get yeah. This first thing that comes to mind is last year. It's most recent. Um, that would be a good one to talk about. How hunting is is much more than hunting, and it and how it brings people together. Um, Duke, one of my coworkers, I was new to the company i've uh, been here just over a month and got actually just brought in not a whim to help work a trade show out in portland i mean i i didn't know product line hardly <laughs> i mean i knew it but I was, I was still learning a lot i was right. brand new to the company and we were just getting swamped with 
things were really busy at this at this Northwest Sportsman Show in Portland. So they fly me out there to help out, and we were we were slammed, and it was awesome. I loved it. You have to talk hunting and gear with people all day long, and it's just hectic. It's one of those times where you meet people, but you, you're not gonna remember everybody, you know, right. even yeah. if you have a good conversation. But um, through that, I met uh, this guy Duke and his wife Lee, and we just kind of hit it off. Um, just had a lot in common, BS about hunting and running in the West and all this different stuff. And I remember flying home, kind of thinking about the weekend, and there some of the people I remembered, you know, I was like, wow, that was awesome to connect with those people. Flash forward, that was February, flash forward to June, we're looking for more people, and I find out we hired a CS rep named Duke. Turns out it's Duke. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and him and Lee, uh, decided to move here uh, from Oregon and, and come over this way. So just kind of crazy how small the world is thing to start. Uh, flash forward to September, we both kind of been doing our own things. Duke had already um, shot a bull in Oregon and he's just the man who will about with anything. I'd been in the, week, in the woods for the weekend with some buddies and uh, we'd gotten on elk, but I was they were new to elk hunting. I was kind of showing them around and I was kind of itching to just do my own thing. But dude was more willing to help, and I trust him in the woods. Just one of the, we just clicked. Yeah, we just got. That's the way Rodney and I were. Yeah, something as a new hunter as a non hunter you might not understand, but as guys that have done it for a long time, you just kind of know, even without going into the woods. That said, obviously you can go in the woods with somebody, and it's just they don't move the way you do. They're slower. They're faster. They're louder. You know, it's always tough. So second weekend of September rolls around. a few days prior to backtrack, I walked in. Duke's like, what are you doing this weekend? I'm like, I'm going to go to that same spot. I'm going to shoot a bull. He's like, cool, call him in for you. I was like, sweet, let's do it. So we rocked out of here Friday after work and um, had a plan. I knew the spot we wanted to get into. And right away, we were just on the same page, moving the same way. It was one of those things. It was the first time we'd ever been in the woods together. Yeah. Here I am, walking up the trail. And like, It's... I struggle to articulate it to somebody that hasn't experienced that or doesn't understand. It's really hard to articulate how important it is. Yeah, yeah to, absolutely. To be in kind of communication without. Communication. Yeah. But we were just clicking, and I remember thinking, "Man, how crazy is it that I met this guy in Portland, right? <laughs> February, and now we're in the woods together." Um, so we packed in that night. And I remember we didn't see any elk. I remember going to sleep. We heard a bugle. I'm like, "All right, let's see what happens in the morning." Woke up just before first light, and we're just glassing. No pun intended. We're just glassing. Um, we're kind of in an elevated position, but looking down, down but up alley, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yep. And I glassed up a little pot of elk, and one I could tell was a good bull. They were a long ways away, probably three-quarters of a mile away with that tan body. I could see a tine. Like, that's a good bull. And Duke's like, yo, we're thinking about what to do. And wind was just cascading down valley like you'd hope. So we decided to make a move and being the savvy elk that he is, he's like, I'm pretty sure I smelled elk through the night. We better watch to the east when we're moving up. So we dropped down into this creek bottom, start moving up. And I just can't say it enough how we were just moving well together. Like it wasn't like 
he said, no, we should go this way. And I was in disagreement or wanted to do something. We were just on the same page trying to, he was trying to call a bull in for me. I was trying to shoot a bull. Let's do this. And we're moving up, sure enough, where he'd smell elk in the middle of the night. Here comes a, a cow and a calf down from the east, and they're about 300 yards away. And lo and behold, a nice six point comes just dogging them like a hot white tail or white tail on a hot doe. They cross in front of us about 400 yards, go up into the timber, and the wind was perfect. Getting long winded, so I'll shorten it up, but we moved into that timber and as we're moving through, got another big waft of elk. Um, knew they were, you know, you can smell them. Mm-hmm. You're in there close. Duke lets out the first call of the day. Cow mews right back. They're inside 50 yards, and it's thick, thick timber at this point. You can't shoot more than 30 yards if you wanted to. That'd be a long shot. And he drops back behind me. Um, over the course of 15 minutes, I came to full draw three different times as this bull moved across in front of me. And what ended up happening is that everything went quiet. Duke went around um, to my, if I was positioned, you know, at the center of the clock, I'm looking up at the elk at 12, Duke was at my six, and they moved across 12 towards nine. At one point, Duke and I couldn't see each other, he'd moved over towards nine. And uh, it was just silent. He thought the elk were gone. I didn't know what was going on. So he decided to come back to me and check in. Well, he goes to look for me, looks up towards 12, and just sees legs. So he lets out a, a, a mute, and this bull just rips off. He was still in the area, 75 yards. And you hear him start crashing towards Duke. Stop. Duke mews again. Bull screams, starts crashing towards him. So Duke knows, he's a super savvy hunter, that this bull's hot on him. So he sprints around down behind me, back to about five. Muse again and just brings that bull on the line right across me and I killed him at 20 yards. Oh, cool. Um, and, you know, the hunting story is one thing, but the story of how we were able to connect two people from two totally different parts of the country to be able to go in the woods the first day together and get it done, I, I don't know of any other um, sport or endeavor where you have that... Uh, that connection, right? Where you can you can yeah. bond so much over that, and he was it's as much his bulls as mine, yeah. sure. In my eyes, and we were both just overjoyed, and I don't know anything else that you can share that much joy and satisfaction from other than hunting. Yeah, I've got a I've got a similar one about me and Kyle that I'll tell. When I met Kyle, we was in college at NMSU, New Mexico State, and down there in Las Cruces, and Kyle doesn't drink. And so that kind of... So Rodney was very happy. That kind of... So yeah. let, me, let me preface this because I was kind of shunned through college because I didn't drink. You know, people got real weird about it. Oh, you don't drink? I don't really want to hang out with you. And so when I first met Rodney and I told him I didn't drink, his first thought was, designated driver. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so he's like, yeah, I don't drink. And I was like, do you drive? Yeah. Let's go to the morning. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, so we understand that that common, you know, yeah. how you work well together, you mm-hmm. complement each other and stuff. And so it wasn't long after that we went on our not our first elk hunt, but our first elk hunt together. Um, and neither one of us had harvested an elk at the time. And so we went and we hunted a couple of days, and kind of the same thing, you know. I, we were hunting in an area that I knew well, and most of the people that I take hunting with me, one they can't keep up with me, two they're too loud, they're too fast, they're too slow, like you were saying. 
um, they don't care enough. You know, they're not yeah. as passionate about it as I am, or whatever. You know, so you, you have hard times finding that. And I do kind of, kind of, I call it dick moves because, yeah. like, you know, you, you go over here and do this, <laughs> and I'm going to do this. You know, and I, I, I didn't necessarily know what a dick move that I did to Kyle, but. You know, I told him, listen, I'm going to go down here and come around and I'll meet you at the point. And it was kind of a, all right, let's see if this joker can, man, come out right where, right where I told him. Right where, and here, here we are. We didn't get to see any out. He saw it out. But, so then that was the first couple of days. And then we went with his brother. His brother was going to do some calling for us. And um, we went up and got into this little saddle. His brother put us in and he put me on one side and Kyle on the other. What really works well is who's going to shoot first? Okay, you, you know as an avid hunter and you'll learn that that can become a sticking point real easy. Mm-hmm. I didn't care what I shot. Uh, my, my opinion was I don't care if it's a, you know, a, just a legal bull or a 6x6. Six six. I don't care. Kyle wanted something a little bigger, so he said, well, you shoot first. And that's been our MO the whole time. We, didn't, we never really have to argue about any of that stuff. It just happens. And uh, so his brother got to call him. And my boy come in a little four by four, come right in, bugling, stopped about 70 yards, and I shot it, and it went right down. And I went to get up, and I turned around, and his brother says, So I sat back down, and he kept calling, and another bull came out of the canyon, right in front of me, broadside, about 40 yards. Walked by his dead bull about 30 yards away from his dead bull. Yeah. And a much bigger bull, and then turns and walks right towards me, stops about 10 yards from me, and just bugling right in my nice. face. And I'm just. And then it turns and walks right over there to Kyle, and about 35 yards, he drops his. Awesome. And, and he was watching, going, I was watching. I'm looking to my left, right down this bull's back. It's got his ass right towards me, looking right down its back, and I hear boom, and around the muzzle, so you can just see everything go right And that bull drops, and. So within 15 minutes, we had two bulls down, 73 yards apart. Wow. Yeah. And sorry, this was the first? Our first. This is the first, first time, time hunting together. together. Yeah. Wow. And That's cool. both, both of us harvested our first bull, and we've been hunting together ever since. Yes. Um, yeah, so I yeah, think that, that you should. Yeah, <laughs> you start out like that, why yeah. not, right? <laughs> that, so that camaraderie, it is an important thing for your usual hunting partners. You know, and now, so... Kyle is, um, we don't talk about it much on the podcast, but Kyle's a game warden. Um, and I had a buddy who was... A poacher. A poacher. <laughs> Dion was a poacher. Less than, <laughs> less than reputable hunter. <laughs> Great dude, and he doesn't do that anymore. But as we're, when we're young, you know, all of us yep. are prone to do some stuff we shouldn't. Um, and so these are my two best friends, and I was hesitant to get them together. You know? mm-hmm. uh, but eventually I was like, you know, I got to because I like to hunt with both of them, and so I did. I, we, we all put in together on the tag, and we drew a hunt, and it was just so much freaking fun. None of us even got a deer, but we had so much fun that now the three of us hunt together. Every the day. only reason we didn't get a deer is because D-Don can't shoot. Yeah, he missed, he, he <laughs> he missed a, a deer a, a buck at 10 yards, at 10 yards with a muzzleloader. <laughs> so it was a tougher hunt, and you still enjoy it. Like, oh, I'm yeah. talking about these yeah. glory moments. Yeah. You know, I think it's important yeah. to know that the company you keep is going to make the tough moments. Oh yeah, you know, rewarding yeah, a lot well. of fun. Absolutely, lot, lots of fun. Um, so, 
Um, got through all the hunting stories and all of that stuff. Um, we could tell more hunting stories. <laughs> well, <laughs> we could sit here all day and talk about hunting stories. You'll have some. Uh, Trust me, you'll have, have plenty. plenty. Uh, lots of success stories, lots of failures, lots and lots, lots of failures. failures. Yeah. Um, but so, anything new coming up with First Light you guys can tell us? Tell us about your new products. Yeah. Um, the new line will be coming out here this summer. We're really looking forward to that. Um, personally, super stoked because something we take a lot of pride in doing here is not just making stuff for the sake of selling it. We're always trying to create stuff that people will actually truly benefit from. Yeah. So we've got some sweet stuff coming, new ultralight down jacket, brush pants, um, women's line, really working on building out the women's line every year, um, new gloves, socks, just uh, up in the game and anything we, uh, not on everything we currently have, but a few things. And then those pants and the jacket and the women's line I mentioned, that's all new stuff that's, you know, unlike anything else out there. It's not something to directly match a competitor's product or another another piece in the outdoor space. Yeah, good deal. Um, a, yeah. Wh- a whitetail guy leaving out the new solitude system is you're right. interesting. I, no, thank you. <laughs> I get lost in it sometimes. <laughs> um, that's... I'm very glad you brought it up. We're just talking about all this Western hunting. Um, I love whitetail hunting as much as anything, too. And we're coming out with a really, really cool um, whitetail kit, bib, jacket. Oh, nice. That is different than anything else out there. Uh, my, my daughter um, just drew her first ever deer tag. Sweet. And it's an intersex whitetail tag. Awesome. Down in New Mexico. So I'm super excited. Yeah. Just so, so yeah. super excited. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Day. Yeah. No, that's awesome. So I've never hunted white till myself. Yeah, and it's they're a blast, man. They're as cagey as anything out there, as smart as any big game animal out there. I mean, they get knocked for being the guy from Wisconsin. Like, <laughs> oh yeah, crack six packs and sit in the tree. Watch packers. Well, it's a lot different hunting back there because it's, it's so thick, thick, right? Yeah, but like anything, it takes. Dedication and time yeah. and patience. Yeah. It's a different game, much more mental than uh, physical in a lot of cases compared to Western hunting. Yeah. But, you know, they're a great challenge and a rewarding yeah. challenge nonetheless. My wife's got a lot of family back in um, Nebraska and Wisconsin. Yeah. Awesome. So we go visit for, there from time to time. Yeah. We've been trying to schedule. We're trying to coordinate with trip. the hunting season. We just hadn't yeah. made it yet. But it's yeah. hard, you know, because we go hunting and we do all our hunting stuff and like this trip and then when we want to take, they want to go on vacation and go visit their family and we try and coordinate it with hunting. Eh, sometimes it doesn't go they don't get, Yeah, they don't get real <laughs> excited yeah. about that. So but, yeah. <laughs> One of these days we want to do um, go, go back there and, and hunt turkey. Sweet. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Have you guys had turkey much? A little bit, um, not a lot. So it's, uh, you know, it's interesting. Rodney grew up hunting from a young age. I did a little bit of hunting when I was a kid, a little bit of fishing with my dad, but I grew up on a ranch. Mm-hmm. And so my focus was, was more the agricultural side of stuff. I was still in the outdoors. I was still doing things, but <clears throat> it was more of the agricultural stuff, you know, um, I went on an elk hunt with my dad when I was in high school. Uh, went to college, actually went to college up here in Idaho and some in Utah, and now am kicking myself for not taking and having taken advantage yeah. of the opportunities that were out here. But I just didn't know at the time. It's like mm-hmm. you, Tag, you're talking about it, it just kind of consumes 
what you know, you're doing. What you're doing. And, and at the time I was getting through college and that wasn't my focus. And then you know, started hunting with Rodney and that became what I actually really love to do. And so, um, we, we've done a lot of elk hunting, a uh, little bit. Rodney likes deer hunting. I'm really starting to like the mule deer hunting. Um, but with this podcast, we've started to branch out and say, man, what can we do more? And yeah. so now we're, you know, we're getting yeah. into the turkey hunting and always looking for that opportunity. You know, we've got arbory down there that we can buy over the counter and we've got the, the turkey that we're trying to get more into. Yeah. We really wanted to get more into it this year, but we planned this trip. Oh yeah. Cause no. the turkey season started April 15th and now here we are rolling mm-hmm. through Idaho. Yeah. We'll have, we'll have about 10 days when we get back yeah. to, to actually get we'll, the turkey. Yeah, we'll, so. we'll get after it when we get back. So. Heck yeah. But Sweet. World. yeah. Um, yeah. Anything and else? I don't think so, man. It's been really yeah fun sitting here talking yeah. to you guys. Likewise. Um, yeah. Thank you guys a bunch for, for having us. We really appreciate it. Um, is there anything going on with you guys in, in forthcoming that um wanted to mention? You know, we've got uh, we've got our new hunted forward participants. Um, Shay and I don't remember or uh, Ryan not Shea. really good with last names, but we got Shay and Ryan. Uh, we're really excited about both of them. We're particularly excited about Ryan because he's a guy. And so one thing that is hard... Don't don't take this the wrong way, Shay. No, no, not at all. Not. And I'll, I'll explain why. Uh, it's hard. You know, guys are macho and all of that stuff. And we're not saying Ryan's macho. Boy, I'm just burying myself here. Yeah, um, you keep digging, Robert. Go get ahead. a guy to step forward and say, hey, I don't know anything about this. Please teach me. Yes. Yeah, so um, so it's surprised. really cool to have him on board. Um well, the other reason it's cool to have him on board. So we we had this idea of Hunt It Forward and who we wanted, you know, the kind of the demographics that we wanted to target. And last year we hit two of those right on the head. Um, you know, uh, Emily was considering becoming cool. becoming a vegetarian because she wanted to know where her meat came from. And we got her hunting and now she's like, oh yeah, I'm going to go hunting. Mm-hmm. Um Adrian works in the outdoor industry, but had never been hunting before. And so, um, Ryan is kind of the other demographic that we're looking at. And that's people who have been hunting before, but haven't been hunting in years and years and years. Ryan hunted when he was a kid, um, back East, Mm -hmm. but he, you know, in talking with him, he said, no, I didn't really have very good role models. And, and since then he's not done it and he's looking to get back into that. And that's why we're really excited about Ryan. So. Yeah, that's awesome. That's really, yeah, cool. That's really cool. cool. So that's that's what we've got coming up this year. You know, we're gonna get back and work on putting them through some shooting instruction awesome. and um, and find them some tags and take them hunting. Yeah, I, I look forward to following that. Yes, that's, that's really cool. Here, I guess very cool. excited to hear. I guess very, very cool. That's awesome. Yeah. All right. Thanks again, guys. Really appreciate it. Uh, we will join the listeners next week with another podcast but for now we'll say adios adios guys thank you guys thank Thank you you. see you guys thanks for joining Not A Grande Outdoors podcast come follow us on Instagram Twitter Facebook and YouTube and don't forget about our website www.notagrandeoutdoors.com adios